0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host Khalil Sharad and this is episode 27. In this episode I will be interviewing Tom Barry. Tom is the general manager at Westside Barbell, special strength coach, works with a lot of MMA guys there and runs their social media, their webpage, help create the special strength certification. So this is a very special episode. Uh, I was super excited to have him on. So, Let's get to it, man. Let's get clean.
1: Hello. Hey Tom. Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you?
0: Chilling, man. How about you?
1: Good. Just just wrapping up the date.
0: Oh, okay. What time do you usually leave work? Oh, at the when the work is done. <laughs> I got you. What time does the gym close, I would say? The the
1: uh the gym is Twenty four seven. Oh, you, you you got the different crews who come in and out, but, right? Right. Uh, if you're a member, you got a key. Oh, okay,
0: okay. Dang, you remember you got a key. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I get. I, I'm sure it's, it's hard to become a member, as from what I hear. <laughs> oh, yeah, <that's> the, <laughs> uh, you you got to uh, you got to impress Louis <laughs> uh, uh. uh. Well, how, how much time do you have for me? Just so I know, so I can cut out um, what questions are are the most important.
1: I I definitely have thirty minutes. I'd say we could get forty five minutes to okay. an hour. Okay. It just depends on whether we get deliveries or not. So Oh okay,
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, so let's uh start with just uh who you are, what you do. Cool, yeah. Um
1: my name's Tom Barry and I uh run West Side Barbell for Louis Simmons. Been here for ten years now and uh, came here as a, a coach and ended up running the business side for Lou okay how did you become a coach uh went to college and then um while I was going through college I was working with athletes and had a, a pretty good knack of talking to people and um mm. I love problem solving and then mm. from that got into strength conditioning and that was before strength conditioning was really a cool thing to get into <laughs> and um yeah work with athletes and Pretty good back home, and uh, send an email out. I was supposed to go over to New Zealand and work with the All Blacks, or intern there for uh, a rugby team. Oh, okay. Uh, before going back to uh, a college I was lecturing in, oh, and wow. then uh, the day before I was supposed to leave, Louis Simmons or Barb but his wife, um, and a lady called Janelle, who ran the company then, emailed me saying, "Hey, you can come here for two weeks," and I'm like, "Shit."
0: I'm <sighs> If you get that offer, you
1: can't turn it down. And right. Came here for two weeks, and ten years later, here I am.
0: How did you become the general manager? Of what's that? Uh, I guess
1: building a relationship up with Louie, and I helped him with develop his uh, the curriculum for the special strength certificate at the start. Oh, really? Um, oh, okay. then because um, he he had done. The certificates in a seminar format, where you come and take the exam, and then I help them get it online and
0: uh-huh. get it
1: accredited through the NSCA, and from there, wait, it's know, a, it's a, it's, a, it it's credited through NSCA. Oh, the big one though, the big one. So the special the big strength one. That is, right, yeah, proceeds. Right, right, right. I, I don't believe. Uh, I don't think we renewed them for uh, this year, just because people were able to go get them renewed anyway. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, through that then, uh. I built up enough trust for him to where I just started becoming his right hand man, doing anything he needed me to do. And um, true, I, I guess, like a, I love to work. To me, it's just never a chore, and especially at Westside. Right. It's the most diverse job you can ask for. And uh, yeah, then I yeah, just ended up running things for him because uh, Louis cares about the gym and the athletes, making them better. If the business burnt down tomorrow, he'd be like, oh, once
0: the gym's okay, he's good. So <laughs> to him, it was, uh, it was just more helpful than anything. Um, what are some ideas that you brought to the table that weren't being done before that you changed or implemented or, you know? besides the, the special strengths? I,
1: I would say social media. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Care about <laughs> yeah. that. I would say we, we just helped uh, uh, push his education and ethos out through the social media streams. And Sweet. I think uh, the one thing we're pretty proud of is we stuck to the ethos and ethic that he puts down and we never sold out or diluted right. anything. And um, we try lead education first with everything we put out. Right. I think that's probably the biggest thing put to the table. Because, uh, again, Lou is an absolute genius when it comes to strength conditioning and being a strength coach. Our special strengths coach, should I say? Um, but he's got so much knowledge that it's hard to get it out there. So I think we yeah. we're doing a pretty okay job at uh, putting out snippets and showing the, the true side of Louis Simmons. Right.
0: Um,
1: what athletes do you train? Um, right now, I don't really train many. I, I went really this year. I Move full time, just focusing on the business. Oh cause it's, wow! It's hard. Uh, like we, we put in about eighty hours a week into that. Um, oh okay. But uh, I work with fighters primarily everyone I worked with. Um, okay. But thankfully, uh, the one thing Louis taught me was if you make your athletes smarter and better than you, they'll learn how to train themselves. Mm-hmm. And everyone I work with, like I've been there for a long time. So they're pretty self-sufficient. And uh, I'm a guy called Travis Clark, he was a, one of the first fighters outside of Matt Brown I worked with. And uh, he's really uh, taken over the strength condition conditioning aspect working with the, the fighters. So uh, we sit down, uh, talk, strategy and programming and then he implements it.
0: Okay. Um, what are before, some of the... oh sorry go ahead.
1: Yeah, Then before that like I work with the NFL uh, athletes, players,
0: golfers and everyone, I like, got a website you you have no idea who's going to come the door. <laughs> um, what are some of the biggest like transformations that you've made with athletes, you know, numbers wise or in their sport? <sighs> um
1: it depends on the the context, we had a re- uh we had one guy, he was, I don't think he realized how much of an athlete he was, he could barely, he deadlifted 225, mm-hmm. and then, uh, ended up pulling 495, but jumping onto a 52 inch box, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool, but then we have athletes who jumped on 62 inch boxes, up to 65 inches, but we couldn't, count the record to Westside, because they weren't, here <laughs> fully, Right, right I right. loved that one, but, uh it's uh it's hard to say, but I think just watching a high caliber athlete trying to get them one to five percent better right. and the amount of the attention to detail and then you see them in do their craft and it's like that that to me is the is the transformation is to work with a high level athlete who are, have very little um issues or anything like that so you have to like really pinpoint where it's at and usually it's some it's not specific even though you're trying to be specific it's usually some general
0: thing that you find Mm -hmm. that one exercise and then boom that was what they needed um how did you train your fighters differently than other athletes the foundation is the same regardless of the sport if you focus
1: on making a person a better human being in right. terms of physical development regardless of the sport they should get better if they have a weakness in that right. then really it just comes down to the uh, accessory work mm-hmm. and how you implement the sets and rep period because uh we only have an hour ready to work with any athletes so yeah. with the fighters they, they do their max effort the dynamic effort and then the accessory work we really um try to keep the rest period short uh, a bunch of super set uh, super sets and then um from there, then that's their that doubles as conditioning. And then we just, because strength condition is only a cog, it's not the cog, it's just mm-hmm. a cog in a bigger chain, especially when it comes to fighters. And then they would take that and then they'd do their own uh, sport-specific training and then that would convert everything that they done in the gym. But it's pretty much the same. The speed work is probably the only day that we do maybe differently to others in that um, we'll do upper and lower on the same day. Um okay. And then, like, like dynamic effort day, if you ask anyone who's trained through with the fighter's crew, that is the, the day where we'll see if you really have GPP. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, how often would they do max effort work? Was it uh, every week or? Twice a week. Twice a week. Oh, so it's still upper and lower. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, what are some differences in their training for off-season versus fight camp? So, there's no off-season. <laughs> there's, there's
1: never if you're if you are a professional athlete, it's just like having a job. You have no off season. There is either in fight camp, and fight camp primarily stays the same. You just tailor in some specific uh, attributes to who you're fighting. Right. Um, but then you just uh, we have a maximum phase like the powerlifters do, okay. uh, peeking out. But we do ours three weeks out in the gym, and then they'll do theirs two weeks out. Uh, in the, in their own gym in the ring or the octagon where they're training at and taper into the fight but it's primarily like it's we try to make it as super simple as possible because life is pretty complicated and fighting is pretty chaotic so we try to keep it super simple and super effective
0: um, how much connected tissue work do you have there before um,
1: they do a lot but they do mostly uh, by
0: themselves Oh, so okay. like so
1: yeah, okay. we'll do we'll do stuff for jo- for joints before and after with mini bands like we have a whole joint kind of circuit they'll go through, but okay. it's so important. And if I only have an athlete four times a week, like they have right. to do a bunch of stuff, but they they should they do it every day.
0: Okay. Um, do they do any small workouts? Oh, well, oh you yeah. just said four times. a Oh, yeah, okay. they're
1: they're only with me four times a week. Okay. Um, or like in West side of four times a week, but then they every week they know how strong they are how fast they are and what they need to improve on so whatever they need to improve on from the training system they go and do that in their smaller uh, accessory workouts so they have their mma gym boxing gym mostly all of them have some sort of weight room attached where they can uh do a small workout or if they need more conditioning they are they have sleds everywhere they go um okay. so it's it's really just the the feedback loop always gives you the accurate answers
0: um, would you have them do conditioning with you or by themselves, and if so, what type?
1: So the way we structure the workouts the exercise you work it is uh, conditioning. Like, so we're getting them stronger and conditioned at the same time. Right. But I want them to do stuff that they can't do anywhere else at Westside. There's no point coming to Westside and doing stuff you can do in a recreational gym. It, it just hurt. doesn't make any sense. So we will uh, we will work on uh, their weaknesses with the with the machines and what they have access to there. And then after that, then they'll know what they have to work on outside of the gym.
0: Would you do, do you do like giant sets with them or sending sets or anything like that? Uh,
1: it depends on the context of who the person is, but generally, oh, okay. yeah, they'll uh,
0: like supersets
1: are awesome because it keeps everyone active. No one can be lazy. You got no choice. Right. And as I said, all our athletes, my job as a coach is to make them smarter than my dumb ass. So yeah. they know how to train, and plus, everyone is at a professional level. So if you're right. half-ass in training, you're it's coming out of you. So Like you're a pro athlete. So if you're only going half assed you're not going to go very far. And everyone, you don't make it in the door if you're not driven. So they know to push themselves. If we say a 30 seconds rest break, that's the max. Like they might be going, they might, they might go back to back. Especially if someone runs their mouth, they're going back-to-back, back-to-back, to see who quits first.
0: Um, what variations do you have them do for max effort lower, lower and upper? Uh, a
1: variation of a squat, good morning, but I love uh, deadlifts. Uh, different variations of snatch grip deadlifts, uh, uh, standing on a box, having the plates on a box, and zurchers. So zurchers and deadlifts are like the, the snatch grip deadlift and a zurcher lift. Those two all day long, they're like the two, like huge uh, testers for us for fighting, and then we have um. Then after that it'll be a, a split leg good morning because that's very like going in, for a takedown or for a single leg. Um, But they're all very good testers for us.
0: Um, for the good morning, do you do the, uh, the rotation of the squat, good morning, dead like that, like one two three week, or do you do the good morning not so as often because they're athletes.
1: Oh, we we live on good mornings. Good mornings oh, are okay, okay. huge. If they're not in the max effort, they're in the accessories.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and again, everyone is different. So everyone, right. at this stage, we might have three groups doing three different exercises, and just for time and space. But uh, so you might have a good morning and a deadlift and a squat all happening at the same time. Right. And there's no. We try not get into a specific structure of okay we know this week's deadlift, this week a
0: squat we try to change it up and keep it as dynamic as possible oh okay um with you because i know on their own they do but how often do they do core and what type when they're in the gym with you um so by core you mean like abdominal training yeah abdominals obliques you know i i know we all hate that damn word (laughs) i'm just saying Um,
1: it's just there's a lot of nuances to that but for that uh they do uh, hanging leg raises with weights mm-hmm. on their ankles is a, a mainstay. The 45-degree hyper, um, the static hold is probably the the most grueling one they'll go through. Um, that one right there is to me, is the most uh, sport-specific for what they do. Um, right. They will never do sit-ups or stuff they can do in a gym. So, right. if, if, again, it's all – and we use a lot of bands. We have a, a hip-ab developer. We'll attach bands oh, yeah. to that. And, um, then uh, we'll actually do some ab work in the ATP. Uh, we'll get them into like a butterfly guard with some bands, and they'll have to extend their legs up, in, and out, so they go vertical and horizontal. And then that, that crushes uh, your lower abdominals and obliques, uh, heavy suitcase deadlifts, um, farmer's walks, like offset farmer's walks, stuff like that. So it's, it's not – again, nothing we're doing is rocket science. Like we've right, right, we've, right. we've been, uh, that's the one thing with Lou. Do Lou has like got this system down to a point. If you just follow the the teaching principles, it's pretty fucking simple.
0: <laughs> um, how do you arrange their training schedule? Is it uh, different than the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday? Or is it just depend on the person?
1: Uh, so the the that's for the powerlifters. There, so the fight crew, they all train together. So they're Mm. usually Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Saturday, and sometimes Sunday for um, Sunday is usually their day where they'll do accessories on weaknesses. So if it's GPP, if it's flexibility, if it is um, connected tissue, they'll dedicate that one workout to it. Um, Mm. And it's, yeah, so that's really, so it's uh, usually uh, one universal speed day and then two max efforts. And then they got that one day work working weaknesses and the reason we we can't have the two speed they stood out is just because they have other obligations with either stand up or uh, grappling that they have to get to
0: um do you ever have the free squat yes how often is it uh depend maybe maybe once every
1: two, two, two maybe maybe four times a year just just to get concerned. oh shit just once every four it's about once a quarter. Okay, well, okay. So it'd be four times a year. That's free but again. They're not powerlifters, so they're
0: not going to. Meet, right, but right. We,
1: we like to at least get a, to see where they're at. Um,
0: How How's the depth on just parallel? Below parallel, like a regular below. Par- okay, yeah. Uh,
1: but we live and die by box squats.
0: Okay, and with the free squat, would you do you do like if you're doing it four times a year? Do you change it from, like, back squat, front squat, safety bar? Like, do you change it or just, like, because you don't do it so often, you just keep it with a straight bar back squat?
1: So, again, they're, if they're testing they're one-rep squat. That's when we do the free mm-hmm. squat. We'll mm-hmm. do box squats with every other bar you can imagine.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So the, we keep the free squat to the straight bar. Okay.
0: Um, do you do any
1: med ball work? Yeah. I, we put it in. We rotate it in and out. Again, I, I try not to do anything that can be replicated, sport specific. Like, um, yeah. I think if, if you look at uh, Phil Daru, he does a hell of a job with his training, but he's got everyone. He manages more than what I do. I literally, yeah, do, a yeah, horse, yeah. I literally do a horsepower. Um, anything that they, because their coaches are fucking, they're phenomenal. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty lucky that like, I can pick and choose. Like, we just work on horsepower. That's what, I want to get them as brutally strong as possible.
0: Yeah, I, see, I, I have Phil on and he does like, it's like his whole gym is like all fights. Like the strength conditioning and the skill work and all that. Like, you know, yeah, he's, he's like dedicated he's, all to that. <laughs>
1: he's, he's, he's one busy guy, man. Like, I, I give him credit. Um, but yeah, we, we rotate it in and out, but if we're doing it, we're going to do heavy med ball stuff. I'm going to oh, do okay. some plyometric, upper body plyometrics with it, but if they can do that, at their boxing gym with their like or striking gym or jiu jitsu gym within their training, I'd rather than do it there and again do stuff at Westside that they can't do anywhere else.
0: Um, speaking of like what they can do or cannot do at Westside, do you now I know that last day is GPP for them that Sunday. Do you <clears throat> like tell them to do certain types of sled, if any, if they need GPP and like what variations do you do? So, usually, I don't
1: really have to tell them much, I just try to point them in the right direction. Like, we try to analyze everything, and they know, but if they do, they'll do sled at least minimum twice, not three times a week, just before uh, any, like, uh, for dynamic effort day, they'll do it, and then for uh, lower body max effort. And if they need more GPP, um, they might do it on that uh, accessory day. Uh Um, And then we fluctuate the weights, so they might, uh, like, four plates is passing standard for any of our athletes on the sled. Um, oh. so that's the minimum <laughs> that they will ever do. So if they're warming up they start with four plates. That's the minimum. Oh. Um and then they'll they got a heavy day like we have we might the the problem is them getting traction for sometimes cuz they're we have a 155 pounder who can do about 10 plates. So it's about 450 what? pounds uh, like for a tr- and he's not he's not on his toes. He's on his heels. because um, cuz the, the, s- the sleds are super <laughs> important. Like they are if you Told me, hey Tom, you have five hundred bucks to put together the best gym in the world. I'm like, give me a sled and all the plates I can afford. It's the most universal um, tool. It's like the Swiss Army knives of
0: sure. um, exercises you can do because you do the upper body and lower body. But um, well, how do you rotate like uh, the trips long or short? Like, do you do like? three and five minute trips for them or do you do like heavy heavy for like a minute or just that 60 yards six by 60 is that what do you do with them like it, it depends on the the
1: purpose so
0: if we yeah. really want to
1: get up their strength endurance we'll do it uh for laps around the building so we know four laps is one mile uh we have it all worked out and um then if we have to do it for five minutes like we try not to do we try to make five minutes the minimum so the whole aspect training should be so hard that fighting is super simple. Uh, they, yeah. They'll all tell you like, that's the way it is because the rounds you do on the sled and the belt squat or ATPs, will, um, it's so grueling. But we try to keep it pretty simple. So, max effort usually equates to heavier on the sled. So, mm-hmm. that's when they'll do their heaviest sled. And that's usually 60 yard trips. Then, dynamic effort usually be more either uh, like reduce the weight and faster trips with no rest intervals, or they'll do a long trip around for half a mile to a mile. Okay.
0: Um, for, on the ATP, um, I know you guys are more closely with Jason Gusick. Mm-hmm. I see him do a lot with, with Eddie on the ATP, where he does like uh, put a band around the top, and he holds it like if he's holding somebody in the clinch, or, mm-hmm. um, where he has a safety bar, where he has a harness. Do you guys ever do that? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah. do that, and
1: then we'll or the skier, uh, the skier mm-hmm. will put on the. He, he's got a. I think he calls it a, a death row. Yeah, has, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done all that, and we uh we have two. So we sometimes we get a a pallet jack in and we move them and we put the two of them up together, and they'll pummel wow. and they might even spar back to back, and uh, wow. again the, there's minimum standards, so the minimum <laughs> you can have on our belt squad is your body weight. So, no way. How so,
0: long are those trips with the body weight?
1: Oh, uh, five minutes is the minimum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. Uh, I mean, dude, like, oh,
1: dang, these guys, dang. You, they're super like you have to be super in shape. And, uh, like, if you ask right, Gus, right. Uh, Eddie Wineland pushes the boundary, like, Gus does a hell of a job, but um, right. Eddie punches way above his weight class in that bell squat, but yeah, Bell, um, uh, I think like for Matt he's a machine. Uh, him and AJ are probably the best at doing the rounds of the bell squat, but um, they'll do three five-minute rounds with 30 seconds, uh, first-round break, 45 seconds, second-round break, and one-minute third-round break, and then we'll have two more rounds outside. Um, they'll start maybe with... Uh, the most I've ever seen was eight plates, so it was four plates either side, <laughs> then strip it down three plates and strip it down two plates, and they might be throwing med balls in between. So... Oh again it's uh what? we're trying to push push the,
0: the the standard um for like the power lifters what do you do like what is the weight supposed to be for them for like cuz i know you guys like to do 1 minute and 2 and like max of 3 minutes usually right that's like, what do you that, that's
1: lose the that demo i don't touch power if it's not my sport oh wow um uh-huh. I, i'm not a website for my for my strength or power prowess <laughs> for sure <laughs> But they uh like they'll they'll do it. I remember they used to do it for steps or for a minute to three minutes. But their mm-hmm. their whole objective is just to increase their GPP. But that'd be a that'd be a Lou question. The way he does it. <laughs>
0: um, how often do you have them do reverse hyper and what's the sets of reps? Every day. Uh, reverse hyper. Every day. Reverse hyper
1: and ab training is like breathing. It's not even counted in training so they will uh, they will do some variation day but just to keep things simple on max effort day is when we do our heaviest and we're doing our, our heaviest uh, reverse hypers the sets might be 3 to 5 sets of 10 to 15 reps and then sometimes Lou will come in and he might do 100 reps straight on the reverse hyper Oh my god! and then people are like well fuck that old guy we're going to beat him and then he just laughs because no one can come close <laughs> um, but uh, for ligament and ten- like, just say for for blood work and for like true ligament tendon development, like th- they'll do like four twenty fives, and they might do two fifties. Uh, I don't think anyone has done a 100- hundred. Like, lose all a guy know can go above a hundred straight, but um, they'll What's do. What's the weight on that though? Uh, pff, depends on which hyper it is. But if it's the uh, just say the ultra supreme. Okay, one, two, three. Four, you're probably for a hundred reps straight. Probably about two or three hundred pounds. So, oh my god! Um, the then, oh, the, then the the Ben Pen like Lou is like oh dude. I don't god. think people realize He still trains four times a day, and dude, he's four like, times a day. Dude, he, he does his little. He does like he breaks up his workouts, That's, and yeah. then um, he's the first person in the gym, last one out. Like the the guy is uh, he is the he is the true iron and last samurai. Like that guy, has a, <laughs> he's got a code. that I don't think people understand how much drive he has. But um, back to the fighters, yeah, they'll have one heavier day, maybe three to five sets, 10 to 15. They'll have one more, just say, uh, endurance base, which might be like four sets of 25. And then they might have uh, a real light day. They might do two sets of 50. Uh, it varies, but if they step foot in the gym, they can't leave without doing hypers or abs.
0: Um, how do you ro- rotate between chains and bands for dynamic days or, or max effort? I'll be honest with you.
1: I'm hugely biased towards bands over chains.
0: Okay. Um, Is that specific to movement or just period? Just
1: period. Uh, one is because they're super fast to get on and off, right. chains can become a pain in the ass trying to adjust. Because we have fighters who are six foot two, six foot three, and up, right? Yeah, and then we got ones who are five foot six and they're pretty similar in strength level. Well, yeah. trying to get the right chain height, someone's going to be <laughs> yeah. screwed up. But the beauty, as with- I do with basketball, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the beauty with bands is that it is what it is there's no adjustment like you're gonna if you're super tall or super small that's just the way your leverages work out right and it always usually ends up to breaking prs regardless but um uh we might like the most time we do chains is maybe for benching a little bit um maybe for squats right. but i would say 90 95 of what we do is always bands
0: okay um do you always have them do singles for max effort or do they have, do they ever do like two threes, fours, and fives? And how do you vary that? Well,
1: max effort is one rep. That's what a maximum effort always. is. Um, anything else, you're just working towards strength endurance. So it's always mm-hmm. to one. Cause then if you do three, four or five, I'll never know how truly strong you are. And then you'll never know. Right. So that feedback loop is inaccurate and you can only get accurate answers if you ask accurate questions. So that's why it was always one rep max. And then if they wanted to do a down set after that, if they want to do three or five reps, they can, but they usually don't. They usually work up to that one rep max, get a PR, don't be greedy. Like we have a, like there's a, Louie always said two and a half pounds, is five pounds. That's called the plan. So once, right. once you get that minimum, like you're on track, uh, sometimes they get greedy and talk shit and <laughs> um, push a little bit, but um, yeah it's always a one rep max
0: um, what do they do for neck work
1: we uh, outside of the partner exercises and what they do sport specific we have a, a neck machine that was developed by a guy called Marcus Sonovich who really has done a lot a lot of work for uh, neck development and strength and condition from the NFL so he's got a, a neck machine and it has a, a, an isometric aspect to it so you can lock it in and do an isometric protocol, and all his content on how to train the neck is free. Very, very nice guy, very sharp guy when it comes to neck training. So we live on that machine. And uh, what's his name again? Uh, Mark Asanovic. Um, your guess is as good as mine. I'm trying. To, I'm a terrible speller. <laughs> yeah, name. I'll just. put uh, I'll be to do it. I think. <laughs> but um, he was an NFL strength coach for a long time. He left, uh, and he realized how. Much neck training was neglected in the NFL so he came up with a concussion right. protocol and he's he's uh, actually has, has had a lot of studies done and has reduced the rate of concussion from neck training um, mm-hmm. he's a, 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 I think he's got a bunch of seminars online again tremendously nice guy great coach and then when it comes to neck training, he really gave me a lot of advice from the fighters and uh it's all about the if you can the strength of a cylinder, which the neck is really a cylinder, is all based by the volume. So the thicker you can get it, the stronger it gets. And uh, he's got some really cool things on there, but we live on his machine. And then we do a lot of uh, neck uh, sleds. Well, so neck harnesses with the sleds. Okay. Um, and then we have some partner exercises. But I think the neck harness with the sleds and the, uh, the, I think it's called the head-neck isolator. I think that's the machine. Those two are the ones that uh, we use the most.
0: Um, what do you do for fighters coming off of major knee, hip, shoulder, back injuries, etc.? Uh, it all
1: depends on the context of the injury. Um, we, like, thankfully a lot of our guys don't get injured, but the ones who do, because fighting does beat you up, it all depends. But we, when you train an athlete or a person, you try to develop him from the joint level outwards rather than developing the muscle so we'll try build up the capacity in the range of motion that given joint and if just say we have five degrees range of motion that is safe to work we will load the absolute crap out of that and we'll try uh Hmm. keep training going so just say if you have a lower body injury we'll find a way to max out your upper body that's safe won't like put you in a risky position for lower body, but we try to keep that central nervous system as stimulated as possible. And then wherever the injury is at, we'll try to regain uh, capacity within that connected tissue. We're normally a little bit more aggressive than PTs because again, we are not held to the right. same rules and regulations and I understand where they come from, <laughs> what they say. Right. And then uh, do a lot of uh, FR, FRC and then we pass them over. Like, we got, we're lucky we got John Quint here and John's a, right. an absolute genius. When it comes to um, joint development and overall capacity, um, how much FRC and ART do they do? Um, ART, I don't, I'm not sure on that, but for uh, FRC, um, depending on who the athlete is, like they'll do it every day, usually. And then, like that's that's okay. John's run. Like uh, I'm pretty thankful; like he's one of my closest friends here. <laughs> uh, so, like, right. we just send guys over, but like they do stuff for their joints every day. Cause you gotta think especially from any uh jujitsu competitors like they're putting themselves in crazy different angles and if if they're only uh loading them uh a term that then the pasco off the storm coin in the groove that's when injuries occur outside the groove so we try to load up their joints in very different positions that normally would be in so if they got into it they first of all have the strength to get out and two the risk of an injury happening is reduced hugely. Um, what do they
0: do for recovery?
1: Um, depending again, context dependent, but, uh, sauna, uh, uh floating is huge. A lot of them, like mm. love the float spas, uh, cryo and then, um, diet and sleep. Sleep is huge. Mm. Um, for these guys, um, so, like, they sleep way more than you think, but that's the, that's the biggest things. And then, obviously, yeah, their
0: diet is a huge aspect to it. Um, besides the neck machine, where are isometrics in your training?
1: Isometrics are thrown in as an accessory work, um, usually done on – it's not mandatory, but usually done on max effort day. Um, and we'll, mm. we'll use that, and we we'll use a styrodynamic machine. Um right. and that's usually done depending on what we're trying to get, either three to five sec uh, sets of a three second or a five second hold, depending on what we're trying to develop. Um they are they're usually our like our ace card to where if we're if we see PRs and people are like up oh, like I got a five pound PR or ten pound PR, but that was harder than I thought it should be. We'll rotate back in the isometrics. And after two weeks, you're like, how the hell does that make that much difference? But it it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And what's even more crazy is if they do isometrics and then they go spar, their punching power is through the roof. Oh. So it's, uh, it, it's what we like to, when we start uh, wrapping up fight camp, like isometrics are in there because there's no tissue glide, so there's no really um, pain, like there's no... Uh, break down the muscle or anything like that so they can recover faster. And their central nervous systems are accustomed to it so they're not going to get fatigued or go backwards. But yeah, the, the isometrics are... Like, they are really are our, our secret weapon.
0: So, Do you guys have slash use a jump mat for jumping? No, oh, we did. We had a
1: just jump mat somewhere, but... Um, no, and we had a... Uh, I think the tests are vertical... But box jumps are really what
0: we, we judge our athletes on. Okay. Um, do you guys have a have slash? Well, I guess you probably don't now that you tell. But do you guys have a laser system to test 10s to 40s? But you said you, got, you usually work with the fighters, so I'm guessing that's not important. Yeah, I, I know
1: Louis does with the sprinters he works oh, with. Okay. Like he, he's like, Louie is the most objective and data-oriented person ever. So he tries to get right. data sets. Um, like we, I get, he was the first guy uh, to start utilizing the tender unit on both eccentric and right. concentric. But then it caused a paralysis by analysis for a lot of people and coaches. And you can see people who um, live and die by what the numbers are. And if you just look at, if you're a good coach, you could, like if it is an art form. You can see, okay, that guy is moving faster than what he was. Because there's a right. there's a story to where like working with an athlete and um, his speed registered on Nintendo wasn't as fast to other athletes and focus on that got in the athlete's head that he wasn't fast but in fact up to that point he was killing it sports specifically but there was no communication
0: between coach and strength coach and then um, did you say that in the concert Club? Yeah, because I've been a member. Yeah. Was that was that on one of the podcasts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, you're like yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, I know yeah. this stuff. <laughs> so to where
1: like it's the truth though, it's like um, yeah, it it's it's very good for feedback and for data. Right. But to me, you wanna do it during your testing phases and that's it. You should know if someone's going right. fast enough or not. And then it's all con it's all relevant to the person. Are they fast with what they were? Right. And then if they're the right. same, are they playing their sports better? Well if
0: if yes, well then you're doing your job. Right. And I think that because, yeah, sometimes the, the kids, I think, psych themselves out when they see, like, okay, we're bringing out the matter, we're bringing out the laser. But then in their sport, you're like, well, how are you doing in the game? You're like, oh, I'm blowing by everybody. Well, then we got you fast enough. Yeah. Right? Like... But and
1: uh, here, like, uh, I think people mostly see the powerlifting training, but right. if you're a powerlifter, the gym is just like a boxer going to a boxing ring. So they're getting their sparring right. and everything in. So they um they're able to utilize that, but we're not training power lifters. So right. we our our end goal is to make them better for their given sport. So like right. it's um the foundation are the same, but we want to make them a better athlete and so by better by default, if you can make them a better human in terms of like functionality, their joint function, their overall strength.
0: Then, by default, they should be getting better as an athlete. Right. Uh, how much max effort jumping do they do compared to, like, sets of fours and fives? Oh, you mean by... Like, for the, you know, the Monday, are you doing a max box jump, and then Friday doing, like, eight sets of five, or is it, like, three weeks of doing just eight sets of five, and then, like, the fourth week, maybe they test their max jump? Because I know for the, the fighter it's not going to be as important as, like, the basketball, player to be testing it vertical all the time. So, like, what, how, are you, how do um, you to that? So, we have
1: various different jumps, and then every fourth week, we usually test it. Um, okay. And then, like, our, our box jump, and, like, Louis said, the grade, like, passing level is a 52-inch box jump. And then, after that, then we'll do different, like, we'll do kneeling jumps onto a box and so on but usually they'll do some variation and depending on usually extroverted people love different box jumps so the more extroverted yeah, the person yeah. is you'll see them they might do two different ones they might do a different one on max everything they do on uh, speed day and then every four weeks they'll choose one to max out on and it's, and it's an accessory like that's usually after their main movement
0: okay um, for the plyo swing, what what are some like just keys that people should use to get water? Because we we just got ours at our gym like uh, I want to say like two okay. months ago, and you know just always want to know the the insider secrets to be like okay what, what you should be doing
1: right. <laughs> the secret it. to anything is consistency,
0: but um right.
1: It would be uh, to progress. Have uh, uh, you got the one with the adjusting angle?
0: Yeah, we yeah, we yeah got so we got okay. the newest one. Yeah. We got it from you so, guys. Yeah. Um,
1: then that one is to... Well, first of all, how are you using it? Are you using it as a leg press or as a jumping machine? And then if it's jumping, jumping then you start with uh, bands and weight because the bands force you okay. like to accelerate more through it Then are you right. doing single leg or, like, or both legs. But uh, it's usually on max effort day. It might be three sets of ten and you're either looking for foot displacement like how fast i like, uh, give amount of weight against a given amount of band resistance how much of they displacing their foot off the pad and landing or then you can go by how much weight they're moving for a given amount of sets and reps um, and then for dynamic effort day we love that just for a, a lot of single leg work where we are explode off the left land on the right explode off the right and on the left um And we start, like, some people start with the red bands, and they all graduate all the way up to uh, maybe two purples or a single green or two greens or a blue band or two blue bands. Um, So they've got a a bunch of different ways. But usually for the heaviest, usually three sets, 10 to 12, up to five sets of 15 to 20 for speed work. Um, But it's it's unbelievable for uh, single leg jumps. And then two, you can put a bunch of band tension on that. Right, and adjust mm-hmm. the angle and just walk and it, you'd be so surprised at hmm. how much that will uh, blow you up and then two, if you want to oh, get some okay. more conditioning in, you can wrap a, a band around those two band pegs on the, on the platform and then you can use it as if right. you would uh, use a rower and um, we had an Olympic rower get on that for seven minutes straight and he was like this is the
0: hardest thing I've ever done in my life um, Wait, wait so those top two those are band pegs, not just handles to get on and off the machine. No, no,
1: yeah, they're, they're band pegs. Oh, That's shit. That's
0: they're for. <laughs> we, thought they were, we thought they were just no, handles. No, no, oh, oh, shit. So they're for rowing or upper body accessories yep. while, but is it while you yep. leg press or while well, you well, jump?
1: Well, uh, you can do them as you jump too, but usually we'll do them as you leg press. Okay. So we'll try to do a rowing motion uh, so it gets uh, like a, more of the, the body involved. You can use it as a conditioning device too.
0: Oh wow! okay um same thing for the inverse curl
1: The inverse curl is our arch nemesis, like we absolutely love <laughs> that machine. It is like as a coach, it is one of the truest measurements of how strong someone's hamstrings are uh and mm. we live on that in the m r nineteen like the m r nineteen inverse curl is the a super set marriage made in heaven um. um. But we'll use that as an initial tester, so you come in we'll we'll use the inverse curl uh hip quads uh, reverse hyper um, everything as a tester sewer so wrap but that inverse curl you you are like you don't graduate school on the inverse curl unless you can do a single rep <laughs> with no assistance
0: and then uh mostly every... how do you, now how how is that supposed to look because I finally can do that I have like two of my athletes that can do it. <laughs> With like a five pound plate at their chest, like is this supposed to be like? You need to be able to go down like super slow. Like, is there allowed any jerk at the like coming the way up? Like, what is that supposed to look uh, like? I, there's no official rule book on it,
1: but if you if you okay, uh, okay. if you can go down and up in one fluid motion, like you go down and then you extend out. The key is to where are your hips. So, however your hips start. They shouldn't. If your ass starts jutting back up, that's a uh, that's a no no. Yeah, your hips yeah, should be yeah. always pushed forward. And um like right. we hold people pretty strictly to it. We uh <laughs> AJ, one of our fighters, he did it and this was only for an experiment, we wouldn't recommend, but he did that body weight with one leg. I saw that. I know the guy you're talking about. I saw yeah. him, yeah.
0: For didn't he do it for that? Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: he he wanted to prove uh, like I... uh we may have talked a little crap to him, but he did it, and, like he can do a poor man's glued ham, like easy. Yeah, I think he did one for forty with a forty-five pound plate. So, yeah, well, yeah that yeah. inverse yeah. curl will, will develop your hamstrings. Like there's nothing else.
0: Now, for for max effort or for dynamic day, like what do you do for the reps and sets for that? Usually,
1: it's about three sets of ten to fifteen. If they're super setting it. They might do it, um, maybe more like twelve to fifteen, and do more reps on the mr nineteen. Um, then max max effort day, depending on the purpose, it's like we like when we first got that machine. Um, I was one of the first guinea pigs on it, um, <laughs> and we never pushed it. And then Lou was like, "Why are you guys not pushing it?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You're doing the <laughs> same weight." I'm like, "That's a very good point." We just got so complacent with, like, we're doing three sets of 15 with this to where we're like, well, let's just take a plate off and we could do 15 reps with that. We're like, <laughs> I wonder how much we can... Uh, and yeah. once we started pushing that and the ATP work, um, that's when we uh, Josh Connolly broke that 900-pound uh, uh, deadlift barrier we're trying to get through in the club. Um, like, that was a big part of it. But we really tried to push aggressively on max effort day that inverse curl. So if we say three sets of 10 and my, the first one might be 10. The second one might be eight. The last one might be four to six. And if you are feeling lucky, you're like, Hey, let's take the counterweight off. Let's see what I can get body weight. And we really try to push that Mm
0: -hmm. once you're developed. Right. Um, Have you, so um, you guys, you know, Jared Bitney at explosive mechanics and down Mm -hmm. here in Georgia. Right. So when I went down to see him, he showed me where you can reverse it, so it's locked in place, and then you you have to control yourself down and up. Do you guys ever try doing that? What do you mean it's locked in place? So so it's like you take the um the the part where you actually put the weight on, and you flip it all mm-hmm. the way around, and then the pad doesn't move, so you don't need weight to hold the pad, and then you don't have the pad to help you go down and up. You have to control it. So then. What you do is like click it so it moves down a click, click it so it moves down a click, and keep trying to adjust it so the person can do reps at a, at a set where they can do it with good form and control it all the way down and all the way up on their own. Oh, I... So it's like they're doing partial um, Nordic curls I, the entire I, I time. I get what you're saying. Uh,
1: no, We try to get yeah, them to go yeah. through full range of motion always. That's what we oh, okay, do. Okay. Now, I'm not saying anything against his method. We just haven't done that. We try to get right, right. through the full range and then – we will like we'll, right. we'll adjust the the pad down to maybe halfway. So, just say if you're struggling right. at the bottom half, well, then that's where the pad will come in mm-hmm. and then it will click off and then you will go all the way up by yourself. But our, our, our ultimate right, goal is right, to right, get right. you as strong as heck through the full range of motion.
0: Gosh. Gotcha. um, do you guys ever try to do like on the GHD? Use that machine and do. Like with a band holding them, so they get assisted and they go up and down. Do you ever vary it between the, that and the, the inverse GHD curl? It's
1: so easy to cheat on. And with that,
0: that right, semi right, right, right.
1: pad, it's like it's developer it and it's pretty simple. Um, like we just live in live on that that inverse curl.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you do uh, back extensions on that forty-degree? hyper compared to doing like reverse hyper good mornings like we'll, do, you, we'll
1: uh, do one uh, uh, The pe- we'll actually do stuff with the camber bar uh, Lou, Louis gave us okay. some really good exercises to where we'll grab it in a Zercher kind of lock or a heavy med ball and we'll do uh, extensions with it or we'll put a camber bar on our back and we'll do back extensions for it it's just like another variation of a kind of a good morning or a back attack right. But we'll we'll rotate right, it in right. and out as necessary. the the one the one thing with with the conjugate method and with everything with exercise selection is dude there is thousands of exercises mm-hmm. and you're like what the hell like there's so much to choose from to where we just try stick to what works and then introduce stuff right. um, as need be um, to the person and then. If you're introvert if you're extroverted you don't want to change a thing so we're like okay we gotta introduce little small changes to introverts. extroverts want to do everything now so we uh, right. depending on the athlete they try to change it up and then as a coach we try to be uh, more analytical and try guide them <clears> to, <throat> to what to do and then from there we'll um like they'll usually uh, every athlete here has their their book of exercises that they do closer towards competition, and then the further they're mm-hmm. out, um, just say, like, they're not in fight camp or they don't have anything coming up, that's when they'll start experimenting more with new exercises.
0: Um. So, I'm trying to... My boss has been thinking about getting, you know, because we we're always trying to think about getting new equipment. So, tell me so I can play this clip to him. Why is it... Why should we get the MR19? Oof.
1: Um,
0: it is probably... <laughs>
1: One of the most running specific machines Louis came up with for hamstring development. Um, really, like what sells any machine is to use it. But the recruitment mm-hmm. you can get on that with the band resistance, like you can't add a band on inverse curl because again, you're using gravity to right, right or to, to go down and come up. That one, you can add bands and plates and the speed that you can contract coming up and coming down is very much like a sprint with no impact. Um, so that's why okay. if you can think of the inverse curl as more of a strength builder, like the, so the inverse curl is max effort. The mr 19 is dynamic effort or explosive power, actually more explosive strength development. And then you can adjust the angles and yeah, it, dude, it's, it's one of the machines that you have to you have to use it because when
0: yeah I keep seeing when, it and uh, I'm like Louis first <laughs> developed
1: it I would like to, I, I don't know, and at that t- at that time <clears throat> I was able to do i was doing like three to five reps uh holding a ten pound plate on the inverse curl um mm-hmm. with uh and I was a body weight about like what two seven two eighty then um he was like, try this. So I went, and I, I tried that. Dude, my hamstrings got so fatigued, I had to use a plate on the inverse curl the next time. I'm like, dude, what is to this machine? Oh, wow. And then, um, <laughs> then all the fighters and all the athletes started using it. And, dude, they were getting phenomenal results. I was like, their sled pulls are getting better, and their sport-specific work is getting better. I'm like, oh, dude, this is this is legit. And then we started messing around the band tension. And... Um, then like even the one the gym we have is the first one we even changed the pads to it's the flat pad and it it engages your abdominals too because you got to think you got nothing there stabilizing yourself all yourself mm. um but it's uh yeah for the recruitment of the hamstrings it's uh, and the and the knee the development of the ligaments and tendons the back of the knee so you like we we had uh oh yeah wow. uh matt was coming off a, a knee surgery and um Right. That machine helped him. He said it felt the best to traction out. But on top of everything else, he was doing the ligament and tendon development. He was getting from it was phenomenal.
0: For your fighters, do you ever um do you ever do above parallel box squats or or is it or in concentric squats stuff like that? Like mm. um, we'll do we'll that? do
1: Anderson squats, like concentric from the bottom up. We'll never just do a heavy eccentric. Right. Uh, to me a squat is pa- an inch below parallel that's that's really okay. it unless unless they have a joint capacity issue then yes we will do uh just say if you have only 20 percent capacity in your joint for a safe range of motion then after that your your body is manipulating around just to, just to force into that position we will load that 20 percent up until we get more range of motion in. That's probably the only time we do it. Other than that, it's always to an inch below parallel.
0: Okay. Um, Do you recommend for, you know, like, cause I usually, I almost all my athletes are, you know, basketball, soccer, baseball, stuff like that. Um, Would you recommend that it's important for athletes? Cause I feel like the most difficult thing for them is walking back and forth weight. Do you think it's important to have a monolith? I
1: I think it's important to have the best tools that you can afford for your athletes. Like, right. it, it's knowing what I know now about a monolith, I, I wouldn't have anything else. But then again, it's a big <laughs> investment. So we're in right, yeah. the job of like trying to reduce the risk of injury and walking in and out of Iraq, right. especially. And I know that you know this. If uh, the taller the athlete. Like it is, <laughs> some of them are like giraffes trying to get out of their legs. Like, you're like, oh my yeah. God, this is just, because it's, it's so, Let's yeah, see what happens. But for some, it's so unnatural. <laughs> like they're so used to like having yeah. the freedom to go in and then you lock them in this. So like a monolith is huge for that aspect. But um mm-hmm. is the be all and end all? No. But if I was opening a gym and I was training mm-hmm. athletes, um, I would have them squat out of the all day long.
0: For the rest time for max effort and for dynamic effort, what does that look like? Your, for five? Whenever your training partner's done. Oh, that's ooh. so like a minute. It can be like if they're doing so, max effort too, or uh, is that for dynamic?
1: Dynamic's usually fa- dy- they're dy- So dy- their dynamic effort, day is they will bench. Now sometimes they'll they'll bench squat and deadlift all in rotation but they will get their benches done but oh they will gosh. get they'll do five sets of five uh on the squat so after the five reps are done first set they will jump straight out of the monolift and they'll go do five reps on the deadlift and then they oh will go back God. in and they might be in a group of four so like whenever it's your turn it's your turn like th- these guys do not like mess around as soon as you get like th- dynamic effort day is the day <laughs> That catches people by surprise and i remember i've been in a few times when louis brings in a new power lifter, or in, he'll bring him into uh dynam- they don't realize like how in shape these people are they just think these, some of these powerlifters are like this, that guy's a, a fat tub of crap he can't be in shape dude they are <laughs> in shape and um, dynamic effort days when you see that but they're the fighters like it's whenever it's your goal it's your goal um, and there's, there's a bunch of reasons for that one is in a fight you have no idea I don't care who you are it's always 50-50 as soon as that cage door closes, like you might be the favourite but you're just one punch away and getting knocked out so you better be ready right. um, so if you're in a group of two, it sucks because you're going back to back and depending on who your partner is but usually they'll train in a minimum group of three, so by the time the first two guys are done it's your time no.
0: And now for max effort, what is that? What Same is thing. the rest time for that? Yeah. Same thing. You, you never give them like a, a four to six or no, no, well, you nothing like think that. I think like, oh, I got
1: them for an hour. So that's six minutes out of the hour. So then.
0: Uh, All right, now, right, right. Uh, yeah.
1: 54 minutes. And then if that's two sixes, that's 12 minutes down for 48. And they should be in shape and they should have the mental capacity to go, I better go for this. Now, if it's the last one. And they think that they need a little bit more longer. Well, they can do it, but it better be something good. But you, you're uh-huh. you're held accountable to your training partners. So if you're slowing them down or right. holding them back, well, then like you shouldn't be there. And it's it's um, but they're all they've all developed the capacity to do this. And it's the great thing about it is psychologically, you're like I better get this. Like it, it, it forces you to <laughs> always be on your on your toes um but yeah no there's no and every athlete is different um in terms of rest periods. so if some guys one minute some guys six minutes then you're never going to get through a training
0: session so um we have the uh dual pendulum hyper at my gym when you use because i haven't i'd be forgetting that we even it's dual so like when you take the pen out how do you like to do them do you do like One leg up, and then you keep going back and forth, alternating, or is it like one, and do a few, then do the other at a time? Like, how does it, or is it like kind of do the running motion where it's constantly they're both moving at the same time? How do you, how do you, how do you do that?
1: It's whatever you want it to be. It's uh, (laughs) different strokes (laughs) for different folks. It depends on what you. uh, Everything you do is all context dependent. Like, there's no blanketed method. Everyone is different. But um. It depends right. on if you want to get a little bit more traction out of the sacrum. You might do more of a running motion. Um, if you got a bilateral mm. deficit, you might do one side more than the other side. Um, if you got to build up endurance, okay. but that's the beauty of it, and that's the beauty of being a coach. You can experiment and like don't be afraid. Once the athlete's not at risk, and usually if you're a coach, you have to do everything your athlete's going to do. So if you haven't done it, then you can't expect them to right. do it. But like, you get on there right. and experiment, like, oh, man, that re- I really felt that there. And then you're like, okay, then you try get your athlete, hey, um, I know if we need a little bit more development there. You want to try this and then see what they get and get feedback. You're like, okay, I'm going to put this uh, exercise into my, uh, my arsenal of weapons here for training athletes. So there's a – the more you experiment, the more you get out, and the more um, you get out of machines. And uh, I'm not sure if you know – if you ever follow a guy called Rob Golabek, I – Dude, no. No. yeah, he trained here. He's, he's a real, real close friend of mine. But that. that dude gets more use out of machines than I've ever seen before. If you see how many exercises he can do with an inverse curve, you'd be like, what the hell? Okay, yeah, because I, 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 like, I, um, I can't endorse it because if you break the machine, you're like, well, oh, Tom told me to do it. But if, um, <laughs> if you see how much like he, re- like he gets the true value out of machines, he puts the imagination into it, but um, the same with the the hyper like, yeah, he'll do rows, tricep extensions, single arm rows. Like, he'll he just he, he gets the true value out of the machines, he knows how to do it. But um, yeah, so just experiment with it and see what works, and what doesn't work, eliminate what doesn't, keep what does.
0: Um, why does linear periodization not work? You tell me. <laughs> I like to hear from the horse. Oh, I'm now. not
1: Louis Simmons, but it's it's, it's pretty. Uh, look, it's it's it doesn't give you enough feedback. So linear periodization, by right. the time you go from one phase to the next phase, your body can't keep like a power phase or a strength phase or a mass development. Um, it's so horribly inefficient. Now, it works for some, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. and good for them, but they usually have right. a higher injury and a higher burnout rate. As a coach or an athlete, right. why the heck would you want, like, not want to know how strong, how fast you are every week, and where are your weaknesses? Okay, let's build that up. So now your weaknesses are strength, and have the staircase approach. Linear purization will only get you so far, and it yields the best results for novice athletes because you can give them anything. Right. It's, it's just not feasible. Like it's, Now, there is linear progressions within systems like to where you might right. like, stick with one exercise and progress it for two weeks, but then you try to avoid the law yes. um, of accommodation. And that's all linear periodization is. is a, you're going to accommodate to one, and then by the time you might get something good at, you change the phase, but you've got nothing carrying over. So, like, there's, I, I, I could do a whole podcast on that, but, um, <laughs> like, I think L- L- Lou has
0: proven that over and over again of why, it's, it's just outdated. Um, I just like having everybody I have on, because it's literally all conjugate people, I like having them all like, say it like, in their own little like way. Like, <laughs> it,
1: had, it had its purpose, just like, dude, there's so many different types of periodization, like, and Tudor Bump did a huge job making, like getting periodization and types into the mainstream. And it's very important to know what linear periodization is and what all the other types of periodization are. Um, because then, how do you know what you're doing is right? So you need something to know what's wrong to be right. Right. But from a sheer right. data and feedback point of view, the quicker you can have data back, the better it's going to be. I do not want to wait four months to see how strong I am. It, just, it <laughs> right. makes... No sense. Uh, it is taught primarily in the colleges. For number one, it's very easy. Like yeah. you can't go in and try explain the conjugate. Like I've been on Westside for ten years, and I'm still learning loads from Louis on the conjugate mm-hmm. method. And Louis, like, really developed the the Westside or like the conjugate method here, and he's still developing and refining and learning more and more about it. So it's um, right. it's constantly evolving. So it's very hard to teach that. Because it doesn't fit in a box. Linear periodization is perfect because it's super simple. Uh, And I think that's why it gains popularity. And this is a stepping stone into periodization. But um, again, there is linear progression. It's not linear periodization. That's the big difference. And we're we're all chasing adaptation while avoiding accommodation.
0: Why shouldn't uh, athletes be doing Olympic lifts? Well, some athletes should do Olympic lifts. It depends. I mean, like not like a snatch or deadlift. I mean, doing full snatches, full cleans instead of box squatting and benching. Uh,
1: I'm not against Olympic lifts. Uh, I'm I'm against the, the mm-hmm. I won't say against, but I don't agree with the the context of they'll make you explosive. So they they come. don't make you explosive. If uh, and like I'm just reiterating Louis, but if uh, if it was <laughs> so explosive, it would just jump itself off the ground. You, you're <laughs> the person who's putting the effort in, and explosive strength is a given um, time. It's a speed. It's a it's a it's a like right. it's a a physical thing. Like here, here it is. Um, right. But like uh, for the fighters, I love to do um, dumbbell clean uh, and presses, like seated like they're huge Very, for na- especially with dumbbells you can you can have brutal technique and it's awesome because it's going to make you a brutally strong person and like we have a thing, a thing I'm not sure if Correllen did it or was the Russian uh, wrestling team but we got a 5 minute circuit to where it's um it's a uh, uh, clean into a press back into kind of an RDL but the bar never touches the ground for 5 minutes um, so they have their purpose and they're, they're just not the be-all and end-all of explosive strength development. That's what drives me nuts. It's like, dude, I can do right.
0: an ex- It should, it be, should jumping, be jumping, right? but
1: explosive strength is, uh, like, it's a speed. Like, I can do an explosive bicep curl. That's, right. not, that's not going to make me the best <laughs> right, ball right, right. in the world. Like, it's... it's um, they're right. very good, especially for, like, from a fighting aspect as an accessory, and I, the risk versus reward to me, it's just not worth it, especially like in the depending on what demographic you work with. Like for football players, I can see it for conditioning, but I just don't get it. I would rather have a guy who deadlifts seven, eight hundred pounds than cleans three fifty or four hundred with bad form yeah. too. That's the thing; it's always bad yeah. form,
0: terrible form, not even bad. See, that's,
1: that's why I like it for accessory. You're doing weights; It's not dangerous, but it's like once you're doing it within that realm, like it's great for conditioning and it's great for to get you strong. And it's great to change it up, but it will not make you more explosive. Like that's, that's just not how it works.
0: What about, uh, using ladders? How, I think uh, you know my how great are those?
1: <laughs> um, again, I'm, I, 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 we won't use them because you can use ladders anywhere. Um, they're (laughs) they're like whoever Uh, um they're good if you have nothing else to do i'm not going to knock people to use ladders but in terms of feedback i don't know how a ladder transfers into making you a better athlete so i couldn't go to a head coach who's like hey you worked with my athlete um how's ladder time So to this this date, I've never got that question. (laughs) And if they did, I wouldn't know how to say that makes you a better athlete. Um, I I know for some speed coaches, they use it and as an exercise. Yeah, you can use it as a technical skill, like to where you want to develop cognitive function and maybe uh, eye foot coordination. I could see the development in that. But in the realm I work within or a conditioning aspect, (laughs) I could see it. But other than that, um, I like it's not for me
0: um last question how do you guys warm up if you do for for we usually for if we're going to
1: warm up we get there real early because your training time is your training time we mm-hmm. might do sleds reverse hypers right some band work for the joints but primarily we warm up with the bar or with whatever exercise we're starting with that's how we we've always done it um and every athlete has their own little thing but there's no foam rollers. There's none of this. Everyone comes in; they know.
0: Um, temporary? We do
1: not. We did, but they kept dropping them and breaking our floors, and then we got sick of fixing the floors. <laughs> so, but I do know a lot right. of the athletes do do a lot of Danny stuff by themselves, or they do it in mm. other places. Just um, mm. we don't, and again, we don't have the the time schedule that we're all on. Like, that 60 minutes is just as soon as you're in, there's no conversations. The music goes up and people do the job. Then after that, then we have to go our separate ways because they have about three other disciplines to get through that day. And then I, at the time, I have to go back down to the business.
0: Sorry, one, actually, one more. Um, I know Louie, with his athletes, he has them a lot of times wear briefs. And I was just talking to somebody about this do you will you have the the uh, the fighters wear briefs um and what is the purpose of it um, could you, could you uh, yeah a lot
1: of them will they'll wear either like strongman briefs or they might get some Ender briefs uh, It's dependent on mm. the person if they don't want to wear them, I'm not going to force them, but I do like when they do because we can uh add a little bit more weight um, so it makes it safer to train, but it allows us to lift a little bit more it saves the hips. Especially right. too, if they're going to have a, yeah. a heavy uh, muay Thai or kickboxing day, um, where the hips are going to be used a lot, they're, they're not as yeah. fatigued. Um, we had a we had two or three right. wrestlers who loved them, who absolutely loved training in briefs because they're able to get way more out of training yeah. um, in the gym, so they could go harder and it didn't take from their wrestling specific training. Uh, but will, will you? But they'll. Um, uh, Oh, they I'm won't sorry. have them tight, though. Like They'll have them relatively loose. They, they don't need to be tight because I, I, we don't have the time to teach them right. how to – because gear is a whole different animal, how they use briefs, but they'll be <clears> loose <throat> just enough to, to give a little protection to the hips.
0: Um, as far as your certification, though, I have the personal training one. Um, how much do you recommend the rule of three versus the special strength? Like, should I focus on getting the special strength? I'm almost already done with – basically all the books besides super training. And as you know, that's, that's the the toughest yes, one to read. <laughs> the, the,
1: that's the one, that's the frustrating book because you'll read it and reread it and then realize this book doesn't need to be this thick, but it's uh it's phenomenal for the special strength development. Like you got to give Mel Siff and Berkashansky huge credit for defining all the, the nuances yeah. of strength. Um, to me, the special strength certificate is the monster. Like That is the one that you will get the most out of. And the more you put into that cert, the more you're going to get out of it. Um, our most asked question right. is, do you have a reading list or a reading guide? And it's, it's all of them. Like There is no... The Science of Practice Strength Training by Zatzi Orti <laughs> is one of the best books written hands down. Then you've got Curse of Science Sports Training and Super Training. But... I've read that yeah. one, Science of Sports Training. Yeah, uh, that's your book, I love the Science uh, of, uh, of Strength Training. That book is has, like, it's crazy how Louis was keyed in to training, and that book just backed up everything he did. So that's a really good book. And there's a, like, there's a bunch <laughs> of stuff on it that will um, show you the importance of speed work, why you have to do speed work. They have, they have uh, studies done on German shot putters. Um, that's a really good book. But the Special Strengths, like, I, I learned more. Doing that exam then I really did through going to college. And the reason is that uh, uh, <laughs> academics teach you to be academic. But then when you get into out to the real big bad world right. and you're standing in front of a multi-million dollar athlete or e- even anybody, you're like, dude, anything I do is going to affect this person. So I better try giving the best advice possible. And having someone try to do right. four seconds down, two seconds up is just not going to work
0: so um <laughs> do, do you guys ever do ice i mean uh slowly and concentrics in no. your uh, the
1: only thing that comes close yeah. is that we do a five minute squat with the safety squat bar but that's for conditioning other than that we don't because again right um we're not trying to build a bunch of muscle we're trying to make them better athletes and the sore they are the longer the recovery and
0: the more it takes away from their sport Um, how how young have you? Uh, well, what's the youngest athlete I, I want to say that you started training with, or do you guys usually just primarily get people that are already adults? That you are pros?
1: right now we're pretty fortunate that we'll mostly have pros, but like we've had we've had stud amateur boxers who are eight, nine, ten years old who follow a, a version of this. Oh, and, wow. um, if you have a youth athlete, like. Stick them on a sled. It is like the best thing you can, like, you really <laughs> can do. Right. Um, but I know, I think Lou started uh, Dave Hoff back at 14 years old. Um, but now it's primarily right. just uh, at least athletes that come in and out. Um, because you got to think any athlete that, that comes to Westside, there's no charge. So it has to be a challenge, it has to be a project. So um, right.
0: the younger you are, it's pretty right. simple to make games really quick. Well, man, uh, this this is this is amazing. I can't, can't believe I'm it. talking to you right now. I appreciate the uh, the, the
1: time and <laughs> for reaching out, and hopefully there's some helpful things in this I can waffle on for too long.
0: Oh no, um, yeah, I mean, my boss. So before I started working at the gym that I'm working at, he already had visited your gym. So me and him are talking about going because I haven't okay. been to Westside and I haven't been to Lead FTS and all that. So we're thinking about this year hopefully sometime in, like, the spring, summer to go. And, man, I got to, you know, I can't lift this. I can't lift as much as everybody can. We have, we but, have, we have uh, visitors all I got to go. Too. I got to go. <laughs>
1: our, our doors are never shut to anybody.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. And if you want to plug, you know, Westside or any information that people want to – should look for for you guys, oh, um, dude just please better. say it.
1: <laughs> Just train hard, train consistently. I got, I got nothing to plug, buddy. We're, uh, we're, we're all good. <laughs> well,
0: well, thank you for for. Well, that's all she wrote for this episode. I hope y'all enjoyed getting some insights about how Tom uses the system with his athletes and running the gym, etc. You guys, always you can find me on Instagram. That's K A L I L underscore S H E R R O D. Khalil Sherrod. Tune in for the next episode that I will be releasing. Of course, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends, give it a thumbs up, favorite it, leave a review, all that good stuff. And I'll see. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.